0: In in, in in Christendom, you have caused your own failure because God's word says that he cannot operate in division. So the moment the enemy is able to scheme and bring division, he just backs off. He knows that he cannot fight with you. But if he's able to bring division in your family, if he's able to bring division in the church, if he's able to bring division between you and your brother or your sister, He has trapped you into a scheme that makes it impossible, or at least for the temporary, unless you fix it, God will back off. And God doesn't back off deliberately. It's just that he cannot go against his word. And this morning, I want us to quickly look at one of these schemes. Luke chapter 17, verse 1. Bible says offenses will come, but woe to those through them that offense come. Hallelujah! Last night we went to we came from New uh, from Worcester, and as late in the night I was so tired. I was as I was listening to my heart and uh, all the the equipping that we received. And it just came to my heart that the enemy is a defeated foe, But he just wants to use certain things to win the battle. But Paul said that we are not ignorant of the wiles of the enemy. The word in Luke 17, offense, is from the Greek origin, scandalon. And the original version or the meaning of this scandalon is a part of a trap to which a bait is attached. We'll break it down. So the word offense, as Jesus uses in Luke 17, 1, actually means the laying of a trap in someone's way. I want you to engage very carefully this morning. The Greek word offense. Offenses, Jesus said, offenses will come. The meaning of that word offense, which is scandal, means a trap with a bait. So Jesus said, for as long as you and I live in the church, there will be traps, and in that trap there will be baits in that trap. Listen to me carefully this morning. By the grace of God, I'll preach this message throughout the district. Because I believe that we need to look, know the wiles of the enemy so that we can stand as an army and possess the nation. Starting from our sphere of influences. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus said offenses will come. Jesus said traps will be set all over the place. And anyone in this church who has trapped animals before, you know for a trap to be successful, you need two things. First of all, it must be hidden. If you're here and you're above 55 years and you live in a village in Ghana, you understand what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Actually, no. We even have mouse traps, right? Okay, so you don't see the mouse, the mice, wherever they are in the garage, but the best traps, number one, you have to hide the trap so that the animal doesn't see that there's a trap right there. But not only that, but every successful trap must have a bait to lure the animal into the trap. Hallelujah. Beloved of God, Satan, the enemy of our souls, incorporates this strategy and he lays out his most effective and deadly trap, which is the trap of offense. Are you listening to me? The trap of offense, they are hidden and they are baited. Satan, along with his cohorts, beloved of God, they are, blatantly wicked and believe that if they are able to lay a trap and hide the trap and put a bait in a trap and if Christians fall into that trap when Christians are deceived and fall into that trap this does the enemy does subtle things, not too open, deceives. Bible says the wiles of the enemy he is shrewd in his operations he is cunning, he is crafty. And one of the ways that he does this, one of the ways to to alienate us ourselves inadvertently, unintentionally from God's power upon our lives is for us to fall into the trap of offense. Jesus said he will lay that trap all over the place. It is one of his deceptive, insidious traps That, beloved of God, this morning, I'm preaching to you and to the district that we need to be careful that we don't fall into that trap of offense. Offense itself is not deadly. Especially if the bait stays in the trap. But if you pick it up and consume it and feed on it in your heart, Then you become offended. The moment you are offended, you are trapped. Hallelujah. When the trap is there, it's offense. It's there, right there. It's offense. And if I'm walking around that trap and I don't go into it to take the offense, the the bait in the trap, if I take the bait and I consume the bait and I believe in what I'm consuming, and I get offended, that is where I actually get trapped. Hallelujah. So, offended people always produce some kinds of fruit. And sometimes they don't even notice it. They get hurt, they get angry, they get outraged. Sometimes they get resentful. These are all fruits of people who are offended. They conceive bitterness. Sometimes even hatred. Sometimes even envious. Beloved of God, look, the enemy will not show up in plain clothes to say that this is the enemy. But the enemy will show up through these offenses. And when you notice this fruit that the offended people produce, they are completely opposite the fruit of the Spirit. It's not that they are not Christians. If you are in a house and you've been offended before, you know that very simple things can offend you. But the point I'm making is, don't let that offense sit and go into your system, to the point that it produces these deadly fruits. And when they bear those fruits, some of the consequences of picking up the fruit of offense, or picking up offense, is when people are offended, they insult very easily, even if they don't say it loudly. When people are offended, they attack. Look, they are wounded, at least in their minds. They have incurred wounds and from there on, division sets in, separation sets sets in, broken relationships, betrayal, and sometimes the people even backslide. The enemy will not show you anger, plainly for you to see, because he knows that when you look at it like that, you will go on the other side. But if he's able to place that trap for you to get offended, then these fruits will follow. Often those who are offended, beloved of God, they sometimes don't even realize that they have been trapped. Most of the times, beloved of God, they are oblivious of their condition because they focus too much on the wrong that has been done them and their perceived right in that wrong. Most effective way for the enemy to blind you and I is to cause you and I to focus on ourselves and what has happened to us. This morning, you will not leave this house as an offended person. Because when you leave this house as an offended person, you live here still trapped by the enemy. So the message this morning is exposing this deadly trap of offense and reveal how this offense affects the people of God. Now, who are the mostly offended? This is where all of us need to be careful. Listen closely. Who are the mostly offended? Hallelujah. Oh, I said hallelujah. Who are the ones that are mostly offended? Offense imprisons most Christians. Offense serves relationship. Offense and widens existing breaches between the people of God. So when you are offended, you are unable to function properly in your area of calling in the house of God. Why? Because of the wounds, the hurts that offended people carry with them. You become handicapped. You are unable to unveil and unleash your potential. We sang the song, we have the spirit of God. We are going out, unleashed the power to possess the nation. When the enemy is able to make you offended, you cannot unleash any power. Because you yourself, you tie yourself. Psalm 55, very insightful scripture. Verses 12 through 14. Bible says, David says, for it is not an enemy who reproaches me, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me, then I could hide from him. Get this, but it was you, a man my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house, get this, and walked to the house of God in the morning, I mean, in the throng. Those who are offended, David said, it is not an enemy 90,000 miles away. It is my friend. It is someone who is close to me. David said, it's someone that I walk together with to the house of God. So those who offend you, beloved of God, they sit with you in church or perhaps even the person who is delivering the sermon right now. Maybe I have done something that has offended you, but you never say it. Don't be offended. It's a trap. Tell your enemy. Tell, tell your enemy. Tell your brother or sister that it's a trap. Say it is a trap. Ah, I swear. Ben, when you mention the enemy too much in sermons, hallelujah. The closer the relationship, the more severe the offense. So beloved of God, you always find that the greatest hatred among people are the ones who are close to you. David said, the one, look, somebody can even play the keyboard and the way he plays the keyboard, if you don't take care, it can even offend you. Sometimes the way you go about with your daily activities, your work in the church, sometimes it may even offend you. It may even offend somebody. Sometimes the way Pastor Jumper will even conduct his life as a leader might even be offensive to one who is watching. Sometimes your wife can offend you. Hallelujah. Sometimes your husband can offend you. Sometimes your brother can offend you. Sometimes your children can offend you. I almost went through that experience yesterday and I had to catch myself. Sometimes your children can offend you. So there are many who are wounded and hurt and bitter, but they don't realize That they have fallen into the trap of the enemy. If I have done something that has offended you, forgive me why? If your neighbor has stepped on your toes and has been offensive to you, have offended, if you've fallen into that trap, forgive that person. Because the enemy's idea, see, the enemy's idea is not the person who offended you, but it is the enemy is coming after you. You who believe that you've been offended. You who believe that somebody has done something to me that the person owes me an apology. See, the moment you say in your heart that this person owes me an apology, you're offended. I want us to look at the state of the offended person. When we say somebody is so sad, when we say somebody is offended, let us see the state that the, person, the enemy is able to bring the person into. And beloved of God, I feel, I, it's, it's here, so I won't, I won't speak chi, but some of these things, when you, when you say them in chi, they make more sense to me, now that I'm wrapping up on my chi, hallelujah. When the enemy brings to you to a place where you are offended, this is what happens to the person. Proverbs 18, 19. Proverbs 18, 19. Let's read it together. Proverbs chapter 18, verse number 19. Let's do it together. Go. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. Let's read it again one more time. Go. A brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. And contentions are like the bars of a castle. This scripture is saying that a brother or a sister is harder to win than a fortified city. In those days, the strong cities, they had walls around them. Fortified walls. The walls were the city's assurance of protection. Hallelujah. Yeah. The walls kept unwelcome inhabitants and invaders out of the entrance of the city. Hallelujah. So those considered to be threats to the city's safety were kept out. Bible says when a person is offended, he is just like he or she is just like a city that has strong walls around him or her. He, him or her, I mean he, has constructed walls to safeguard his heart or her heart. And the reason why they do that, don't blame them. The reason why they do that is that they feel that there are more wounds that are coming. So they block themselves, they imprison themselves in these fortified walls. They become selective and deny entry to all those they fear will add onto the offense. They filter out who comes in. Brother Nathan, Elder Nathan, our honorable presiding elder, may have offended somebody. And so when he calls and said, I want to visit, you, no, 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 no. You will give an excuse because you 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 fortify yourself in a city thinking that the moment he shows up, just looking at his face will pile up on the offense. Pastor Jumbo calls you, I want to pay you a visit. In your heart, in your mind, you are offended about something very small. Maybe something that the man of God said. And it becomes an offense. You will block that person. And when it happens like that, all the people around this person that you feel has offended you, all those people around him or her, they are also marked. And they cannot come into your own city that you fortified. The people are struggling. They walk around handsome, beautiful, but they are so offended that they've built a city around them, beloved of God. They need help. In their minds, they are withholding access. It's not that they are bad people. In fact, sometimes the person that you feel has offended you, sometimes he, does, he or she doesn't even remember. He or she doesn't even know what it is that has happened. But you build a fortified wall around yourself. Beloved of God, The enemy, when the enemy gets you to that point, then you come to church, but you are paranoid. You come to church, and then you begin to see certain things that are not real, and you apply it to the offense that is already in your heart. When the enemy all of a sudden begins to open your mind, that you are seeing things that in the past you didn't even see, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, this person is part of it. Those kinds of people become paranoid and they further isolate themselves. What the enemy is looking to do is to cause you to backslide. Because when you are able to alienate yourself from the people, the same people who God will use to encourage you, if you separate yourself from them because they've offended you, then you stand alone. Beloved of God, let not anyone in PI, in Hartford District, be caught up in a trap like that. And when I'm speaking these messages, please, I'm not, I'm not asking you to look at somebody in, in, in Ghana or some place in Africa. I'm not, I'm not talking about something that happened 70 years ago. Whilst we mingle with one another, Whilst we all have the same goal in mind, to build a church of God, to develop the gift that God has put in us, whilst we are moving in tandem together, the enemy is also using these schemes, these wiles, these deceptions. When he throws it, he just steps back and see its manifestation. I bind. I bind and I destroy. Any enemy who's using these wiles and deceptions in the Hartford district. But permit me to just speak to the district. Jesus knew about this, of course. And he said in Matthew 24, 10 through 13, Jesus, Jesus said, many will be offended, will betray one another. When he was talking about the end when he comes back in glory. And then verse 11 says, says, listen, many will be offended. He was talking to people in a church. We'll see that very soon. Many will be offended. will betray one another. And will hate one another. Verse 11, get this. This is the last day, so. 11 says, then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. This love he's talking about is the agape love, the love of Jesus Christ, the love of God. So he's referring to people who have received this love, agape love, which is you and I, which is Christians. He wasn't talking to the world at large, people who don't know Christ. He was talking to you and I. He says, in the last days, you and I, many of us will be offended. But he says, but he who endureth to the end shall be saved. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. But I want you to know something. That when he talks about this, many will be offended, who will betray one another, who will hate one another. He is also talking about Matthew seven fifteen, that we should watch out for False prophets. Eleven says twenty-four verse eleven says many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. I want you to note that many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And I want you to project Matthew seven fifteen. Matthew seven fifteen defining who the false prophets are. Matthew seven fifteen or what they do. Matthew 7, 15 says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Hallelujah. This false prophet, says, in the last days, listen, he said in the last days, many will be offended, many will be wounded because false prophets will infiltrate. Don't look at a physical man or woman who is going to stand and say that I'm the false prophet. It's one of the wiles of the enemy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He says this false prophet, they will creep into the church as sheep. Or they are, they are as, as, as sheep. I mean, they are, they, are, they are wolves. But they will come into the church with a sheep clothing. And then their goal is to wound people. And because they are wolves, yesterday I was explaining in the leaders' meeting, because they are wolves, listen to me, beloved of God. Because they are wolves, when they creep into the church, what we are looking for are members who are wounded. And when you are wounded in the realm of a spirit, you are bleeding. Hallelujah. So when these wolves in sheep's clothing, when they creep into the church, you won't see them because we're not talking about physical things here. They are smelling they are smiling for those who in the church who are bleeding. Because they've been offended maybe three months ago. Two months ago, they've been offended. They will come to church. If they don't come, pastor will call, president elder will call, elders will call. So, as for church, they will come. But when they come and they see the chorus leader who offended them, leading the chorus, they are bleeding. Their hearts are bleeding. When they see the pastor preaching, because the pastor offended, their hearts are bleeding. And these wolves, they will smell the blood and then lunch on them. And what they do so effectively is that all the offended people in the church, all the people bleeding who are wounded in the church, all of a sudden, they become friends. They know each other. They come together, beloved of God. All of a sudden, I don't know how the devil does it. But all of a sudden, whether it is a phone discussion, whether it is just eye-to-eye contact, they know, sister, sister, how are you doing? I'm well, I'm all right. But they know that deep down, there is something that is making them bleed. So they become friends. So in the church, you can have a group of people who are offended. If somebody calls you, And the express feeling of offense, stop them right there, nicely, compassionately, and say, Brother, sister, this is a trap. Let us pray right now and release the power of the Holy Ghost. Pray with that person and relieve that person of that burden of offense. Will gather. So it is, it is not uncommon To have a church And there's a group in the church Who support this person who was offended And another group in the church Who support this person Who caused the offense If the enemy is able To bring us to that point I don't care what weapon you have There is nothing You can do to chalk The victories and the successes That the theme is talking about this year Watch out Watch out. Watch out. I'm praying by the Holy Ghost power that today, before you leave here, you will be released. If you're here and you are friendly, look, I will say it over and over if we've been here for one year, Mama and I, Papa, we've been here for one year already. This one year, there has to be one thing that was said or done or acted, that rubbed you a little bit off. Look, just wipe it out in your heart. Just clean your system out. The enemy is trying to put you in a trap. Because I say something to mama all the time. At the end of the day, I believe in my heart that everybody here, you believe and you want the church to succeed, God's church to succeed. If there's anyone here who comes in this house and said that me, the reason why I come here is to make sure that everybody feels in the church, then we'll pray for you. But I think by and large, anybody who is here, your mind and your heart is with the work you want to see the church progress. Look at what the Lord has used you to accomplish. So, you, your spirit is right, your heart is right, but the enemy knows that because he knows that you will open your eyes to pick on certain... Sometimes, look, the things that offend people, sometimes when you bring it down, break it down for the people to get delivered and come out and they talk, they tell you what offended them, you will be shocked. But those are the wiles of the enemy. I want us to consider one case study and we'll bring our message to an end. When you read Second Samuel chapter fifteen verses one to nine. We won't read that. Second Samuel, but I want you to note that. Second Samuel fifteen, one through nine. Hallelujah. Put your hands together for Jesus. <laughs> David had a son called Absalom. David's son rebelled against his father. And the people around David persuaded the king, bring your son back. And the king obliged and brought his son back. But Absalom was so bitter. We all of us know that story. Absalom was so bitter or many of us do that he rose up against his own father. Hallelujah. Not hallelujah because of what Absalom did but and the Bible says that he got to a point where Absalom became so entrenched with some of the weaknesses of David that it offended him so badly. I think there will be a second message, second part two, and I'll go through that in detail. But suffice to say, that when Absalom finally left the home, he partnered with David's advisor, David's counsel, the one who was close to David, who gave David good counsel, a man of God, a priest called Ahithophel. Now, the end of the story, we'll have this part two in our next when, Next time I come here. But the end of the story is, Ahithophel conspired with David, I mean with Absalom, David's son, and wanted to bring down the king. Hallelujah. Amen. The question we need to ask ourselves is, Ahithophel is a close companion of David the king. So what all will make Ahithophel, it's P.I. but sometimes the chief, what will make Ahithophel leave David's camp and go and partner with Absalom to cook evil against David? Hallelujah. Let us read Second Samuel Chapter twenty three. Second Samuel Chapter twenty three. Verses twenty four through thirty nine. Second Samuel 23. Actually, before that, let's just go to Psalm 55, verses 12 to 15. Then we'll read 2 Samuel later. Psalm 55, verses 12 to 15. No, that's not the scripture I'm looking for. Let's read Second Samuel 11, verse 3. Second Samuel 11, verse 3 first, yes. David sent to inquire about the woman, and someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? Let us just note these words, these names. Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, William's daughter is Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. And Uriah, Uriah's wife is Bathsheba. So I just want to capture this. The long and short of it all is David took Bathsheba in illegally as a wife. And David schemed to bring Urea and caused David, one of David's great army commanders, Joab, brought Urea, and David wanted to cover that sin. We know the story. And when David was unsuccessful, he asked Joab to put Urea at the front lines. And the Bible says that he did that. The king did this and got Uriah killed. Covered his sins, and got Uriah killed. When you read certain portions of scripture, you realize that there is a man called Ahithophel that we talked about, and Ahithophel's granddaughter was Bathsheba. Ahitophel's granddaughter was Bathsheba. When you go home, read it. Read 2nd Samuel 23, 34. And then in fact, 2nd Samuel 23 from 24 through 39. It states very clearly that Ahitophel, his granddaughter, was Bathsheba. So just picture this. Ahitophel, who is David's counsel? Joab, who is David's commander, and Bathsheba. Imagine them standing at the funeral of Uriah. This is Uriah who is dead. Uriah is being laid in state. Joab knows that Uriah is dead because the king caused that death. So Joab is standing there. Ahithophel, who has come to the funeral, who is Bathsheba's grandfather, standing there. David's companion. And Bathsheba, who eventually received the brunt of this whole scheme of David, is also standing there. So Joab knows what the king did. Hallelujah. Uriah is dead. Joab knows exactly what happened. So for sure, for sure, Joab may have told Ahitophel that, you know what? Don't tell anybody, but this is what happened. Though, your granddaughter, that is what happened. The king took her in, and schemed for Uriah to be killed. Ahitophel could never forgive David, and that pain, that offense, got so much entrenched in him. So when Ahithophel sensed that Absalom was also offended, remember, offended people always come together. That is why they came together and said, your dad we will bring him down. If you take my counsel, we'll bring your dad down. It is so sad because Ahithophel was a priest. The Bible says he will go into the house of the Lord and perform his priestly functions. But he could not find forgiveness Eventually, time is far spent. We'll get into this second part of the message. But eventually, he committed suicide. A priest who harbored bitterness. The enemy was able to trap him, and he harbored bitterness to the point that his potential was not unleashed properly. Lord of God, in the Lord's prayer we pray. Forgive us our sins as we forgive each other. The number one antidote for offense is forgiveness. Just forgive. If you are in a house and you are offended, you know by the scripture, you know where the enemy is leading you to. But if you would forgive and just release yourself, you come out of that fortified city. Many of us, we know this scripture. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But it is not easy for many of us. May the Lord soften your heart. If you are here and you are trapped in that offense, may the Lord release you. Hallelujah. Because we are building an army that will go out and, and, and release the power of God in us to bring people into the house of the Lord. There are people out there who are suffering that the Lord needs you and I to go. Our area head, Apostle Samson Yadam, has declared that this year, the least number of souls that, as a region we have to bring to bear and bring into the house of the Lord is 300 strong men and women in the house of God who are brand new souls that the Lord will release for us. It takes you and I to go out there with the power of God. To bring them, but if we are divided, a house divided, there is no way this will happen because cannot stand. Beloved of God, it is a time of reckoning for all of us. Set your hearts. The enemy has brought you to the point that he is baiting you. No that it is a trick no that he is looking for one thing to totally get you out to disable you you have no testimony when you come to the point where you don't even trust your brother your sister you have no testimony the bible says in Matthew 6:14 and 15 that for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespass. Look, it might be your spouse. It might be your daughter. It might be your son. It might be your church member. Don't look far. It might be your colleague at work because you interact with him or her. But the bottom line is... You are a good person. You are a woman of God. You are a man of God. Don't pick that bait and be offended. Because once you're offended, the enemy will capitalize on that. May the Lord help us. May the Lord visit us. That Hartford district. We will rid ourselves of any past offenses. So that when we call for prayer meeting, we are all running into the house of God to pray out of the cleanness of our hearts. So that when we see our brothers and sisters, we don't hide behind with a sword at our back. But any sword that we have it will be the sword of the word of God to speak strength into the lives of people. Yesterday my wife and I were discussing this and we said, why Why all this? Why all this confusion around the world? And she said something like, one day, just one day, one minute, one second, you can be dropped out of this world. Then what? Forgive one another. It doesn't matter the, the gravity of the offense. When we look and compare it in a large scheme of things, It's small. The heart and the soul and the spirit of human beings are at stake. You are a witness. The other time I was preaching to the youth, and I said, when the Spirit of God comes to us, Bible doesn't say that, go and witness. In fact, Bible says, you will be my witnesses. You are walking around. You are a witness of Christ. When you go there and then you begin to witness, they see you as Christ's witness. And that will bring people into the house of the Lord. So, beloved of God, today, remember this message throughout your life. And when you begin to reflect on this message, you see the offenses all over you when they are coming. And then when you see them, just tell the enemy that I know what you're trying to do. I'm not taking that bait. That bait goes back to the pit of hell where it came from. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. Shall we be on our feet?